Hello, Nava family and whomever else may be listening. The message you're about to listen to is titled The Beauty of Holiness. About three quarters into the message, we had a strange technical difficulty where the computer shut down and erased the whole section about the Holy Spirit. We have re-recorded that section for you to complete the message. I was a bit frustrated at first, but as I was praying about that uh, mishap, I felt a strong impression that we cannot forget the Holy Spirit in our pursuit of holiness. Bless you now, Adam. Amen. Amen. A round of applause for David Blackwell. Oh, it's fantastic to be back. Do we have the picture, John, of the community in Manenberg, the house there? Do you have that? It's a faith fun slide, maybe? It is beautiful. Um, thank you for everyone who prayed for Julie and I. Uh, we were suffering for Jesus in sunny South Africa in summer. It was rough. Um, no, we plan it intentionally every year to escape the end of the winter. But on one of the days, it was warmer here than there. So we were the suckers. So um, you know what? South Africa, the work that God is doing in 24-7 in South Africa is absolutely astounding. Julie and I, with tears, were there um, working in the township of Manenberg, a forced settlement for a colored community. And uh, our 24-7 community there, called Tree of Life, that Julie and I give spiritual oversight to, is uh, pulling people out of gangs, helping see them come free from drug addiction, helping single mothers, helping young children. It is a church of the redeemed. It is beautifully multi-ethnic, multi-generational. God is bringing beauty from ashes out of a township in South Africa. This home here is what you guys gave to with the Faith Fund. Uh, we were able to give, I think, one of the largest contributions to this. And um, this is a home for Crew 62, which is a discipleship house for bringing guys out of gangs and off drugs into a full life with Jesus. And because of the donations that have come in miraculously, they were able to purchase this facility. It will be filled, they will go from six young men to 15 now. And um, so they're in the process. So man, can we just give a round of applause for just God and the generosity. The women and men who are going to be helping uh, lead this and who are moving in, because this is residential-based, family's the only way to reparent and rehabilitate. And so they're moving in. They've been living their whole lives in a tin shack, a horse kicking the wall on one side and a shabine on the other side playing music till three or four in the morning. She stood with me on this balcony with a million dollar view, literally of Table Mountain. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And uh, it's in rubble right now, but she, she, it has walls. So tears were streaming down her face and she said, can you believe my house has walls? She's just crying and we get to help these guys. And I just thought, this is the kingdom of heaven. So, this is holiness. This is beauty. So man, I just, I'm just undone that we get to be a part and we all nations in the midst, seeing communities rebuilt all over the world. Our gospel is for all peoples and all nations. Thank you for praying. Um, we're in a series called Prepare the Way. That isn't just a cute series. We actually felt God 
uh, call us out of a building into the wilderness. I've got good news. God doesn't take people into the wilderness to kill them. I know at times you've thought maybe we're all going to die out here. I have. Um, but God would like to reassure my heart and yours that he never leaves us halfway. But he does these things in order to bring us all the way into what he wants to do. And we're preparing the way. Preparing the way is always a voice in the wilderness crying out, something is shaking and something has to change. So this isn't just a series. The Lord told us, would you prepare the way for whatever I want to do? He's not telling us what he's going to do, but we know it's him and his kingdom and his presence. And we're aware that when God comes near to a city, in a sense, will the people be prepared? Will the people be ready? It's not just Nava that's sharing these kinds of things. Across the city, there's a sense that God wants to move. This isn't hype. We're so done with that. In fact, I hadn't even preached a message on revival in the 15-year history of this church because of being repulsed by hype. We genuinely believe God wants to do something in our city. It's not for one church, it's for the church. But will we be ready? God said the requirement is humility. He gave us five things that humility would look like. He said humility looks like hunger. I spoke two weeks ago on that. The innate longing for God. Are we hungry for God? We're in a 40-day fast right now. Some of us are physically hungry. Some of us are hungering for God in a new way because we're putting down entertainment or whatever has our hearts. The second was holiness. That's what I'm going to speak on today. The third was healthy humanity. That in the move of God, we wouldn't burn out, but we would burn for God. We would live in healthy rhythms. The third was hospitality that we would welcome the presence of God in equal measure as the mess of the world. And the, and the fifth was honor, that we would honor the presence of God, the historic moves of God, what he's doing now and what he's doing in people that we even disagree with who are followers of Jesus, honor. And this psalm, is, or this uh, scripture in Isaiah has been a key scripture that we'll probably read every time. It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Nava, can we prepare the way? Preparing the way starts with preparing the way in our own hearts. It goes on to say, remove every obstruction from my people's way. Can you see the heart of God? He doesn't want anything to trip them up so they can come to him and he can come to them. Remove every obstruction internally and externally. Make a way for the king because he's coming. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Whose name is holy. That's what we're going to open up today. What is holiness and preparing the way, removing obstructions, have to do with what's coming next? For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. The holy loves to dwell with the lowly. Why? The holy one who inhabits eternity 
loves to come into time and space with the lowly one. Why? To revive, to revive, to revive. When eternal holiness comes into lowly earthliness, revival takes place. And there will be no reviving without the nearness of the Holy One. That's what this says. Prepare the way. A story in history that captures my heart and my attention. One of the earliest mentors that we had in the prayer and how to pray was a quadriplegic man named Dr. Wesley Adams, named after John uh, Wesley. And uh, he's dedicated his life from a wheelchair to the full belief that revival is coming to this city, to this nation, and to the world. To the belief that the kingdom is present. He taught us to pray and he wrote a book, I think called The Fire of God. What's the exact title? It is called The Fire of God's Presence and it's about the Hebrides revival. 1949 to 1952. I think we have a slide for the Hebrides revival. 1949 to 1952. Two women in their 80s. One's named Peggy and the other Christine Smith. Never will be famous on earth, but I guarantee you they are rocking it in heaven right now with great fame and probably a beachfront property in the new heavens and the new earth. Couldn't see except they could see the kingdom of heaven, literally losing their eyesight, sitting around a peat fire, crying out to God through the night, night after night after night. The old adage, we don't retire, we refire. The Annas, the Simeons in our midst. We want to say, thank God for everyone here, the mothers and fathers that have not lost hope for generations. We want you, we need you, and the younger generation will not see the presence of God without you. Yes, Ruth Blackwell, contending for revival for generations, just like Peggy and Christine. They're the heroes of the faith. They were crying out for the presence of God. And then there was these eight knuckleheads in a barn in Barvis. They thought revival was their deal. Little did they know, two old ladies were stoking the flames of revival and night and day prayer. They heard about a covenant in Scripture 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humility, and pray and seek my face, hunger, and turn from their wicked ways, holiness, will I not hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land? Do we need our land healed in Kansas City? There's a landslide of sexual confusion and perversion in our culture. There is political polarization and idolatry like our nation has never seen. There are immigrant children wasting away in detention centers and they want to build one next door to my house right now. We have never needed holiness more than this moment. But God is not intimidated by the culture. He's the God who runs into the mess with all of his beauty. This message is about the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness. They found out that covenant and they began to pray through the night in that barn and barvis, night after night after night, until one young man 
found Psalm 24 in his Bible. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may walk into his holy place? The one who has clean hands. There's a station right over there. There's some water in it. You can write down your sin. And when it goes in, it disappears and you can place it into the heart. Make use of it at any point in the night. You have my permission to have encounters with God, irrespective of anything I'm saying. This is an environment of the presence of God where the Holy One has come near. Clean hands and a pure heart. Who will not lift their soul up to an idol. And the blessing of the Lord is for this one. The young man said, we've been praying for months, night after night, for holiness, or sorry, for revival. But have we considered holiness? He looked at those men in the, in the eyes and he said, are your hands clean? Is your heart pure? For the blessing of the Lord comes to those. An hour later, three of them were on their face in the barn in Barvis. By 5 a.m., the presence of God came down in that barn, and it would be so mighty, it would shake the entire island. In modern history, think, this is only a half century ago. I don't know if there has been any other moment like happened on the north of Scotland in those Hebrides Islands. The presence of God began to spill out. They said every shop was a pulpit, every home a sanctuary. The power and presence of God, people were falling down, walking down the roads in their daily labor. The conviction of sin was so strong out of Psalm 24 that holiness swept literally the entire community for three years. Nothing was left unchanged. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds began to run for mercy to the presence of Jesus. It's the beauty of holiness. Holy, holy, holy. What does it mean? If you find this word a bit nebulous or elusive, hard to grasp or hard to understand, you're in good company with me and actually with what the word means. <laughs> if you go like, holy, I sing it. What am I saying? That's actually the meaning of the word. Andrew Murray, who lived through incredible revival in South Africa, one of my spiritual heroes, gave himself to holiness like no other subject. He's been a huge inspiration as I've been looking into this. I want to read what he says about holiness. The original Hebrew word, whether signifying to separate or to shine. Think about that, holiness. To separate or to shine. What does that mean? <laughs> Express the idea of something distinguished from the others. Separate from them by superior excellence. God is separate and different from all that is created. He is separate and different from all that is created. As the Holy One, he maintains his divine glory and perfection from whatever might interfere with it. As holy, God is the incomparable one. So if you go, it's a bit elusive. I can't get my head around it. What does it mean? Let's just pause for a second. Spirit 
of God. What we know of you is a fraction of you. And unless you come in this room and reveal holy to us, we have no chance. I am so aware of it. So reveal yourself to us in this place. Let it be the quest of your life and your being to know the Holy One. Separate, shining, other, distinguished, incomparable, transcendent, utterly unique. That is holy. Utterly unique. Holiness is not an attribute of God. Holiness is not an attribute of God. Holiness describes all of the attributes of God in one word. Okay? Do you, do you see that? Let me give you an illustration. The color white. I say the color white. White is actually not a color. White is all of the colors put together. For some of us, we haven't grabbed that holiness is all of the color of God's infinite eternal character described in a word. If there's any word that's ever been diminished, it's the word that we sing in church. Holy, holy. <laughs> like they had to come up with the word to describe all of the other than being called God. And guess what? They didn't come up with it. They were taken into the realm of heaven and heard the word coming back to them. What? They couldn't come up with a language to describe the unique Utterly distinguished, shining, separate, other than incomparable one. There's a word for all that we know, which is good in this universe, streaming from God. It's called holy. It's amazing. It's incredible. I've tried to describe it quickly and simply, but do not be fooled. It is a word as vast and deep and extensive as God himself. I cannot describe it fully. That's the challenge of trying to understand this holy, holy, holy God. Maybe you've seen that word and that word has seemed kind of bland to you. Maybe felt a bit stuffy like pews and a bit religious like rule keeping. But guys, everyone who saw the holiness of God, you know what they said? It's beautiful. Beautiful. It's beautiful. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life that actually brought you to tears? It does not even hold a candle to this word, holy. If that word is bland to you, I don't blame you. It's been given a really bad rap, but I invite you. I invite you to dare look on God because he is anything but bland. 
He is beautiful. It's a beauty that is irresistible, that draws you in. I had an experience with the sunset. It was so beautiful. I had my journal out and I wanted to take the sunset and try to get it inside of me. Have you ever seen beauty that you wanted to try to get in you? That's actually what it was designed to do. You were created to reach for beauty and go, how does this get become me that is holy? That's how you were designed by this living God. To take the beauty and get it in you. And you get totally lost in it. Holiness is beautiful. Think about it. Moses comes through the Red Sea, standing on the banks. All of his oppressors, 400 years of slavery, swallowed in a moment. Imagine a billion dollars of debt on your account wiped out. What kind of worship song are you going to sing? You know what song he sings? He goes, who is like you, God, majestic in holiness. That's the song of deliverance. Holiness is beautiful. What about David dancing his clothes off after years and years and years of the ark not being where it was meant to be? What does he say when he puts the ark back in the holy place? He's half naked. His wife's mad at him. He's a sweating mess. He sacrificed blood all down the road. He's a madman of love and worship. And you know what he says? Worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Worship him in the beauty of his holiness. That's his declaration. When the ark comes home, the only thing you can say is holiness is beautiful. It's incredible. It's beautiful. How about Isaiah? There's a man that got to have his eyes opened to the actual being of God. He said the train filled the temple as this God sat on the throne. And then these seraphim were flying around. Do you know what the word seraphim means? It's the word for burning. It means there was burning beings that right now are flying around, circling the throne of God, covering their eyes, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah would say, holiness is not bland. Have you seen it? It's beautiful. I'm going to come back to that story later on. What about John's revelation, if you think it's just for the Old Testament? The guy that leaned on the chest of Jesus. This is new covenant stuff. He's born again. He sees the holy God in his revelation. He falls like a dead man, and he hears the angels singing again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holiness is beautiful. 
beautiful. Now, if I had a thousand messages, I could not scratch the surface on holiness. And in a moment, it's going to feel like I'm about to try to squeeze a thousand messages into this one. Guilty as charged, I believe. Warning label, this may feel slightly like eating at Fogo de Chao and never turning the coaster over to red. Just circling meat glory until it's coming out your nose. I'm trusting for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room. I may have to hit abort and go right to the end if I get lost in the glory of God. As I've dove into this, I'm just undone. I'm gonna try to manage the clock and manage my time and manage my heart, but I'm giving you a warning. Is that all right? What about this declaration? Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. God is holy, holy, holy. It's a triune holiness. When they see him, they're declaring Trinity. Father holy, Son holy, Spirit holy, over and over. Why is it always three? Holy, holy, holy. That's why it's always three. I want to take us on a historical unfolding through the Trinity of holy. That God is holy, Jesus is holy, and the Spirit is holy. And history is unfolding and revealing this thing of holy. Are you ready? Yeah? All right. God is holy. I want to look at this next slide. Yeah. So just a few uh, really brief topics. The eternal God creation, Moses in the burning bush, Holy One of Israel, Law, Tabernacle, Temple, Isaiah 6 and Ezekiel 47. Should go really easily and smoothly. I love the God story. If you haven't listened, online is nine hours of just geeking out on the revelation of God on our website. I would encourage you to do that, to worship God, to know him and worship him. I don't teach for dry theology. I teach for worship. I study the scriptures to know him and worship him. And he's the eternal God. In the beginning, God. He is utterly unique other than This is his nature, set apart from himself. How long was God there? Powerful and good, kind within a Trinity family eternally, mutual affection and adoration. You could go on forever in the brain space of God before created reality. What in the world? The self-existent God. Holy because nobody else can say that as far as I can tell. Yes, he's an eternal God who can't contain love within the three and makes the amazing choice to share and outripples a universe we still can't understand. It blows your mind. Just look at the stars. We had an actual dark night in South Africa away from city pollution. I'm sure God put some more stars in the sky that I didn't remember. Abraham's deal made sense to me. 
It was like a billion stars. I remember when Dave and I were in the Sinai Desert. I'd never seen that before. But imagine traveling through the galaxies and it's still expanding at the sound of his voice. The eternal God is the creator. And into that creation, he makes man in his image. We were made in the image of an other than holy God. We were made in such a way that we could be with that God without dying. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, they were taking cool evening, golden hour chats and walks with the Holy One. That's how you were designed. After God makes man on the seventh day, God says, and we shall call this day holy. First mention. Sabbath is the first mention of holy. And he blesses that day for he rested from his work. Uh-oh, we're getting a clue into holy. The holy one declares whatever is holy and is not holy. He's the designer and the definer of all things and he is good. So he designates this day holy. And now we're getting a clue into holy. Holy is whatever God blesses and declares so, but not just that. It is whatever God inhabits, rests in, delights in, and enjoys. The first thing that is holy is what God inhabits, rests in, delights in, and enjoys. That's where we become holy. Can you feel the weight of rest coming on your life? Where God rests in you. He delights in you and enjoys you. Holy, holy, holy. Here's the thing about the garden. Our natural habitat was holiness. We were born for the air of holiness to be in the presence of the Holy One. Sin is an imposter. It never belonged in the story, but in it creeped like a little snake and death came in. And there's a myth that the Holy One cannot look upon sin, but it is a myth if you read the scripture for the Holy One comes pursuing those who have now given themselves over to the damage and depravity of sin and its death. He comes, the Holy One, pursuing the unholy one. And this will be the story of all of history. And he doesn't just stop there. He makes a sacrifice and covers them in their shame and sin. This is what a holy one would do. This is creation. You see, we were not created to be separate from God. We were created to be set apart or separated unto God. But instead, we were separated from God by sin instead of being separated unto God. I'm going to give an invitation at the end that we would freshly say as a people, because listen to me, throughout history, even 120 if they would truly set themselves apart to the burning, beautiful holiness of God, nothing could stop it. There's no force more powerful on planet Earth. We were created to be set apart to God, 
separated unto him, not separated from him. Here's the good news. Your daddy can't stand the distance. He's got to be with you and with me. It's beautiful. The Bible Project's an incredible resource if you haven't got onto it. I got a cool metaphor from there. They try to describe this creator, this holiness, as like the sun. The sun is unique in our solar system. It is a ball of fire. At this nice, comfortable distance of 93 million miles, we love it. It warms us. It gives life. It is good. But do not be fooled. It is powerful. And you could say then the sun is holy in the solar system. It is unique, but not just the sun itself, but around the sun, everywhere where the effect of the sun goes is holy, right? And you'll find this out because the closer you go, the more intense, and you could say this holy sun would become utterly dangerous to you. Is this not what we understand about fire? Great in the fireplace, very intense when it engulfs your whole home. Right? It turns from marshmallows and s'mores to run for your life. Okay? And that's essentially what the sun is, is fire. <laughs> Throughout the scripture, holiness is depicted in fire. One of the clearest places we see this, oh my gosh, there's this dude strolling through the desert with his sheepies named Moses. He's running away from God. And all of a sudden he looks, he's like, what in the world? I've never seen that. There's a bush in the desert blazing on fire, but it's not consuming the bush. He's like, this is wild. He says, I got to go check this out. And as he begins to walk towards the burning bush, not being consumed, God's like, Moses, Moses. He's like, here I am. <laughs> and God goes, do not take another step. Why? Because God is kind in his consuming holiness. He's like, okay. And God goes, take off your shoes. Wherever you've walked in your everyday common life, this ground isn't like any place you've ever walked because I'm here. Take off and let your feet be naked to the soil of my presence right here. He's like, what's your name? And God goes, Horan, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna try this. I am I am utterly unique. There's nothing to compare myself to. I am who I am. I'm a self-referencing, incomparable being. Just go tell them you met, I am. That's holy. What the heck? Moses would be on fire with this revelation from this point on. And holiness would explode combustible from this moment on. 350 uses in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, from the burning bush moment. It is like holiness went public with God. Boom, it blows up. Some 830 uses through the rest of the Old Testament, 200 and some odd in the New Testament, you could say it is the core theme of the narrative of God in history. The burning bush. He will be called the Holy One of Israel. 
because he's utterly unique. No God of the Egyptians or any other people is anywhere comparable to him. He is the Holy One of Israel. And he wants a people who will be holy. He brings them to a mountain which will soon be set on what? Fire. <laughs> In his utter uniqueness and consuming nature of goodness. And he brings them there and he tells Moses, now, if you fully obey me and keep the covenant, then you can be my treasured possession. All the earth is mine, but I want you to be a kingdom of, of priests mediating between heaven and earth. Everyone has an occupation, but their preoccupation is priesthood. That's us. And I want you to be a what? A holy nation. I want you to put humanity's original design in that garden on display so the nations go, we've never seen anything like this. It's so what? Beautiful. Look at how they live. It's so beautiful. Nava, bring home and make beautiful. You know what we're saying? Make holy. It's exactly the same. And, and this was the heart of God, to have a holy nation. And in Exodus 25, 8, he says, I want you to make me a holy dwelling so that I can come and live there in the tabernacle, but do it exactly according to the pattern that I tell you. So not only is he a holy God and he wants a holy people, but the holy one wants to live in the middle of the holy people. And he chooses to live in skin, just like all of them in the center of their everyday life. And then he gives them a law. What is the law? The law is the reflection of what this other than ethereal, elusive holiness would look like in your sanitation processes when you use the restroom and in how you talk to your children and how you treat your neighbor's wife and how you steward your possessions and finances. All of a sudden, holiness fills everyday life. What a holy people would look like. And God says everything in this tabernacle needs to be holy. In fact, the white hot center of the tabernacle is called the what? Holy of holies. God just doesn't know how to use another word for all of his being rocking up in a place. He's like, ah, it's the best I got. The seraphim came up with it. I don't know. It's like right there, just check yourself before you wreck yourself right there. Just because you're going to live around this. And here's the deal. If the, if the Jews touched anything to do with death, like a dead body or skin that was dying or, or, or the issue of blood with the woman, they were made unclean, which didn't necessarily mean they were morally unclean, but they were ritually impure or unclean. And God goes, you just don't get it. I had to tell Moses, like, just stay a little bit back because all I want is to live in the middle of you. All I want is to be with you, but I am a consuming being. Don't you understand? There is no compromise. There is no dilution in my being. I am utterly holy. So, so don't rock up here unclean. And so he goes, only one guy, once a year, 
better tie a bell on his ankle, can come cruising into this spot, and he better come with my kindness. So I'm going to make a provision. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to transfer the sin of the people because I so want to be with them in their everyday life onto an animal. And that sin will die with that animal and it will, he, the priest will sprinkle the blood for the cleansing of the proximity of holiness, not just on the people, but in their whole land. He will sprinkle it because evil doesn't just have an effect on humans, but the whole of creation. So he's got to sprinkle the blood, right? And then he can come in and he can make sacrifice so all of you can come into the holy place, but not the holy of holies. Okay, how are we doing? This is some crazy stuff. And the Israelites did not cooperate. 800 years later, listen to the words of Isaiah just briefly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. They prostituted themselves to idols over and over. They took for granted the holy presence and they became like all the other nations. They lost their beauty. Remember Moses said, what else will distinguish us from all the peoples except your presence? You see, where the presence of God is, is beautiful holiness. That is what sets us apart, distinguishes us, makes us beautiful. And so Isaiah, back to that story, knows that they have screwed it up and broken the covenant. And God has already said, there will be exile and utter devastation. They'll lose the temple. They'll lose the land. They'll lose the king. All that's going down. And Isaiah, just before that happens, God, in the year King Uzziah dies, opens his eyes, and he's there, dude, where all the people that go there die. That's what I'm talking about right now. He is there where you die, where you're consumed, where you're destroyed. Can you imagine his eyes? God let a man before Jesus see his holiness. His name is Isaiah. He kind of like wrecked his life after that. In fact, his words are, Woe is me. I am wrecked. I am ruined. I have unclean lips. I live in a people, amongst a people with unclean lips. And as he's freaking out, smoke begins to fill the temple. The voice of the seraphim saying, holy, 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 starts shaking the temple. He's like, well, no better place to die than here. See what I'm saying? This is real, by the way. A burning one comes with a coal to his lips. Check this out. And when the holiness of God touches his lips, God says to the seraphim, I have cleansed your lips. Your sin is forgiven. And listen, your sin is atoned for. Now, check this out. When people touch something unclean, they became unclean. It transferred. And when they went unclean into the presence of God, they died. They were destroyed. But now this man is in the presence of God and the holiness comes to touch him, but it doesn't destroy him or consume him. It makes him clean. 
Do you see what's happening? Last one, Ezekiel. This dude just gets wrecked. He's taken to the temple, and instead of going into the temple, the holy presence of God is shooting out under the doorway. It starts like a trickle. It turns into a stream. It's a rushing river, and the holiness of God is now moving through Israel into the Dead Sea, and everywhere it goes, life bursts out. Now we don't just go into the holy place, but the holy place bursts out like a river, bringing life everywhere. What in the world is going on? What am I doing on time? I have no idea. Okay. How are you guys doing? Yeah? You having fun? Okay. A little bit. You feeling it a little bit? Good. Okay. There's a holy God with an unholy people. This is a massive problem. But God is not stumped by it. Ephesians 1 says, before the creation of the world, he had a plan. That you would be holy and blameless in his son, Jesus. What? The the next holy of holy, holy, holy is we are about to see the incomparable, distinguished, utterly unique God, holy God of Israel, be born and put on and clothe himself in our humanity. Holiness is going to be whining like a baby. Holiness is going to start growing up And for 30 years, we're going to get a vision of holiness taking everyday ordinary life and ordaining it with the glory of God. Taking the commonplace blue-collar stonework and consecrating it to heaven. We're going to get holiness cloaked in humility, and we're going to, for the first time in history, see the exact representation of the holy other God he's human. Point one is, let it blow your mind. It is possible for a human being to be holy. That's the first vision of Jesus. That that we find out that the human nature is actually suitable for the entire intensity of the sun, the burning holiness of God. Lip. What guys, we see Jesus and we see that you can be holy. And we see him walking around, check numbers five, skin disease, issue of blood, dead body. In like one day, Jesus, a woman with an issue of blood, touches him and he doesn't become unclean. The blood stops and she is clean before God. The same day, "Ah, will you touch my skin? Are you willing, master? Skin falling off. Jesus takes his holy human hand, touches the leprosy, and like a baby, the man is restored. He doesn't become unclean. Now, holiness. He's the burning coal, do you see? 
There's a girl who's dead. He walks in and he puts his hand on the girl and he touches a dead body. Oh, unclean, unclean. No, no, no. Holiness comes into the mess and makes everything else beautiful. Are you kidding me? And there's a river flowing out of his being and he says, listen, Tear the temple down. The temple's right here. He's the walking, breathing temple of God with a river of holiness flowing out of his being. And everywhere it goes, life, healing, deliverance, freedom, heaven, pouring out of his temple through the spirit of God. We see holiness filled with our reservation by the spirit named holy. Have you ever seen? And if I can go a little bit further, point two is this. Holiness and joy go together. This is crazy sauce, if you thought it was bland. Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness, you have hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you above your companions with the oil of joy. You have resisted unrighteousness. Never did an unclean word come out of his mouth. He was in the world, but not of the world. He partied more than anyone in this room, but every party was filled with prayer. But guess what? Every prayer was filled with the party of God. This guy was holy. As the vision poem says, holiness that hurts the eyes. He was holy, holy, holy. Joy and holiness go together. Why? Because in the Fullness of the presence of God is what? The fullness of what? Joy. Whoever lived in the full presence of holiness more than Jesus. So here's the deal. There was no resistance in his being, so there was no diminishment of heaven's joy flowing through him. Holiness looks like a life set ablaze with the beauty of joy. Why? He was always flowing with the current of the Holy One, utter and total joy. Lastly, point three, Jesus removed every obstacle to our holiness. This is wild. It's amazing that we can see holiness clothed in humanity, but we are still left in a pit of separation and shame. So if you ever wanted to know how bad a holy God wants you, Look on a cross and see a man torn limb by limb, his flesh ripped apart. You will see the passion of God for holiness to become your reality. For his being to become your inheritance. For your humanity to host his goodness. He had to deal with evil without destroying the ones who harbored it in their hearts. And his crazy, insane plan was to crush his own son so you could inherit holiness. Every obstruction removed. At this point, the message begins re-recording. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became our sin, that we could become his righteousness. Andrew Murray says, his death removed every obstacle 
that kept us and his holy nature from us. Christ had truly become our sanctification. Jesus is our holiness. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. Hebrews 10.10 says, And by God's will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus, our holiness. The beauty of his holiness has become our holiness. What we could not earn through all of our effort, Jesus has given to us. His grace has become our holiness. We can now say, I am holy. What a statement in human history after all that we've just heard. I am holy. By nothing that I've done, by nothing that I could ever do, Jesus declares us holy. But Hebrews 10 goes on, four verses later in verse 14, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The work of the cross has made us holy, but the way of the cross is making us holy. We are becoming holy. It's like the image of a seed. The seed is that thing that it will become, but it is not fully expressed yet. In Christ, through the cross, we have become something. We are holy, but we are also becoming that thing in all of its beauty. As a recap, we can remember Isaiah saw God and heard the seraphim proclaim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holiness is beautiful. Humanity was made for holiness. We were made to be set apart unto God, but we became separated from God. Holy, holy, holy. God is holy. Jesus is holy. But let us not forget the third holy. This holy is the Spirit. In Acts 1-4, Jesus' first followers, as he was raised from the dead, were instructed by him. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What a word from Jesus. Jesus had done everything in the cross to cleanse us, but he didn't want to leave us there. He said the Father had a gift to give us. The calling is the same. The people of God are called to be holy. They're called to be righteous, set apart a kingdom of priests. But Jesus says the calling is the same, but now there is the power to actually become holy. The power to make it possible. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Wait for the Holy Spirit. How will we ever become holy without the one who is called Holy Spirit? Like my name or the names of those around you, we say the name over and over and it becomes just normal to us. Everyday, commonplace. But we forget 
What is the name of the person we call? What does it mean? What does my name mean? What does the person I love's name mean? And sometimes we forget that this one that we adore so much, the Spirit of God, the Spirit's name is Holy. Holy Spirit. Let us treasure that in our hearts. This gift would be the goodness of God inside but also the power of God to make possible what was never possible throughout the whole Old Testament. What was experienced by only a few in the Old Testament becomes the very nature of what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. This is the gift the Father promised. They would wait for 10 days, praying, united, And a wind would come into the house that would shake the house. Fire would separate on each and every one of them. And they would speak in new tongues, in languages of God they had never heard before. The Holy Spirit filled the temple. You see, we're not just a home for God. We have become holy We are the place God now wants to live forever. If the presence of God makes holy, even when it descends for a little while, like the burning bush or Mount Sinai, how much more will the presence of God that dwells permanently make us holy, Andrew Murray said. We have become the temple of God. You can see Ezekiel's river flowing out of the believers, bringing life wherever it goes. They were were Jewish men and women trying to figure out what would life now look like? Imperfect people with a holy God dwelling on the inside of them, and they're trying to figure out, how do I now live this life with God holy and beautiful on the inside. Can you imagine the party in heaven that the angels were having, that the father and son actually looking at you and I and these early followers of Jesus saying, it's possible. It's possible. And can you think of the significance and the substance of Jesus's work on the cross being crucified, that would allow my body and your body, my imperfect life and your imperfect life, to become the dwelling place for a consuming fire of God. How significant was Jesus's person and work that we would become the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit inside of them is an actual person. A person who is holy God, but has real emotions. A person that lives in you and lives in me, that actually wants and glories in our best, our beauty, our likeness of God. But not only glories in our best, but is grieved by anything less. Anything less than our best, anything that is not making us like Jesus, anything that separates us from the heart of our Father, the Holy Spirit is grieved by that and waiting on our yes to make us into the best vision that God has for us. This is the life of being made holy, learning to be a zero-resistance home 
for the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. Can you imagine your life where you were actually receiving the Holy Spirit with a holy yes, allowing the Spirit to bring forth your very best? This is the life of sanctification. I remember receiving the Holy Spirit when I was 18. And I didn't know the word holy yet, but I had this longing that was in my journal. I would write page after page, I want to be like Jesus. It was almost overwhelming. But of course, isn't that what seems most natural? If the spirit called holy moves into an 18-year-old, that you would begin to desire to be just like Jesus. In fact, that was almost the longing prayer of the spirit within me, moving me towards the likeness of Jesus. I remember my language. I, I tried to do an experiment uh, a year or two before I met the Holy Spirit just to see, could I stop saying the F-bomb over and over, cussing every day? I could not do it. It wasn't possible for me to change my language, but I remember when the Spirit came into me, suddenly these unclean lips, something happened. I wanted to use my words to bless and bring life instead of to damage and destroy. I remember this longing to be like Jesus rising up in me. I had been addicted to pornography since I was 13. There was no way to escape it. Almost every day I was plagued by it. I remember when the Holy Spirit came and started to change my desires and reorient my frame for beauty and the dignity of women from objectifying to actually seeing them made in the image of God. And to this day, almost 20 years or more later, I have been free from an addiction to pornography. Now, I know that's not everyone's experience. I know that in so many areas of our life, we can feel stuck or imprisoned. But the Spirit is the power to make possible the beauty of holiness. And the Spirit within us will cause us to long and desire to be like Jesus in every way. Some things change very quick when I met the Holy Spirit, but many things have been a process of becoming holy. Like the idolatry of my perfectionism being plagued by a need for approval. The slow process of getting out of self and actually preferring others in love. Of becoming a man who is joyful, not based on my feelings or experiences, but based on the consistent joy of the most joyful human being who's ever uh, existed, the Spirit of God who lives inside of my body. Joy and holiness do go together. Some of these things have taken a while and are a process. First Peter 1.15 says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There you hear the combination of be holy. We have been given an identity which is holy in Jesus, but in all you do, do holy. I believe that there is not one place in our humanity that the Holy Spirit does not want to meet and touch and work in to make us like Jesus. Our speech, our sexuality, our eating, our friendships, our marriages, our parenting, 
our work, our motivations, our attitudes, our appetites, our finances, our dreams, our desires. The Holy Spirit wants to make us like Jesus, the beauty of holiness in all that we do. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that he only works on one thing at a time or I would be consumed. I'm thankful that he's gracious and patient. I had an experience recently with my daughter Lily. She said I could share. I, in almost within a few hours, was the voice of the enemy and the voice of the Father. Hello, Peter. You know, that one was from the revelation of the Father, and then all of a sudden, get behind me, Satan. Like, I mean, this is the real journey of holiness. There was an area I saw in Lily, and I confronted her with a standard she wasn't meeting, and I confronted her in an intense and almost shameful way. I walked away, and immediately I heard the Holy Spirit say, shame is a terrible motivator for change. Adam, go say sorry. Ugh. So I went, and I sat her down, and we began to talk about this area that she was struggling with. And she said, Dad, I can't do this. I'm never going to be able to do this. And all of a sudden, holiness, as the Spirit works on one area of our life, started to be revealed to me. The enemy has a strategy in that one area where you just feel stuck. I don't know what area that is, but you feel, I cannot do it. I cannot change in that area. I realized in that place you feel stuck, the enemy comes with shame. You'll never be able to do it. And not just that, that hopelessness that keeps you in prison. All of a sudden, as we began to talk in this conversation, the voice of the Father started to kick in. I said, look, Lily, you can see yourself almost stuck in a pit, and there's, there's shackles on your hands, and, and you can't do anything. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes into that place by the power of the Holy Spirit. He takes off the shackles. He takes you out of the pit and sets you above that thing, and you see yourself begin to do the thing you were never able to do by his power. And I said, what, what? happens when Jesus does that for you where you couldn't do it. She was like, well, Dada, I mean, he gets the credit. I was like, that's incredible. That's called glory. He gets the glory. I said, but what do you get? She thought for a little bit and she goes, I get a reward. I was like, I wouldn't have thought of that. And I said, what's the reward? And she said, the reward is joy. I thought that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to one area where we feel stuck and imprisoned. He begins to work with his power and his goodness in that area. Free us. Bring us out. That is the salvation of God. And in that place, he gets glorified, and we get the joy of being with him. This is the beauty of holiness in everyday life. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness. We are not called to live like the culture in any way, even when we live in the middle of the culture. The Holy Spirit is setting us apart, Nava, is setting us apart, church, to live in the beauty of holiness so that the culture around us is attracted to Jesus. We are called to showcase the beauty and original design of humanity. We are called to be made like him. And without the Holy Spirit, the church will never 
be holy. This is the beauty of the work of God. In whatever place you're contaminated, he can bring beautiful holiness. Throughout history, where the church has humbled themselves and prayed and sought God's face and turned from their wicked ways, God has heard from heaven, forgiven them, poured out his spirit, and healed their land. We are being called to the beauty of holiness. God is holy, holy, holy. And holiness is beautiful. And we are becoming beautiful in his holiness. This is where the original recording will begin again with the closing prayer. Let's respond. Let's stand together. um, And we're going to worship the Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you. You have done everything we couldn't do. But we want zero tolerance for sin in our lives. We want no compromise because every place we compromise, we lose out on your glory and our joy. We don't want anything which grieves you. You're a person in us, Holy Spirit. Anywhere we're grieving you, we just wanna give it over to you. And so we're just saying wholesale as Nava, set us apart for the beauty of holiness. Set us apart for the beauty of holiness. Set us apart for the beauty of holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're gonna take these last minutes. This is a holy place, really. And it's not for any other person, it's before you and the one who loves you first, loves you the most, loves you to death, and loves you right now in your life. This moment is reserved for you and your holy, hallowed Father.